This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to a bonus surprise episode. This is five lessons from two years of full-time writing. I recorded uh, a episode like this last year, uh, my one year. I think I had 10 lessons from my first year of uh, full-time writing. This year, I only have five, but I feel like they are deeper lessons, so we're going to roll with it. I also want to say, oh my actual god, like, how am I here again? I say this with like a maniacal cackle and a deep, also very deep, actually, sigh of caffeine-fueled relief that I have got to the end of two years. Not because, like, I didn't think I could get here, more that I'm so surprised <laughs> that we are here. The last year has felt so quick and so painfully long all at the same time that and I think some of that was COVID related but I am just shocked that I'm even at the end of my second year in business I can't believe it's been uh, two years so I'm not going to do any of the normal intro or updates or you know personal stuff I'll save all of that for the normal episode coming up on Wednesday and uh, yeah so we're gonna dive in to uh, the the five lessons so the first one really is an income update in my first year like my only goal was to survive I was just like desperate fucking like hysterically desperate not to go back to my corporate helmet um and yeah I did that I got to the end of one year so like yay me but I also ended last year feeling like I was rudderless and that I hadn't really pushed myself sufficiently on the income front and well, yeah, like funnily enough, I actually hadn't because, you know, I was just consumed by surviving rather than, I don't know, setting goals and gunning for something that I wanted. Now, you might think that that meant that I just focused on increasing the income in year two. And while, yes, I have, it, that wasn't what last year was. Year two was a financial shifting year. I suppose that's how I'm going to look at it. Um, so yeah, like while I wanted to beat my old day job income, it was actually more important to me to reduce the freelance work in order to focus like on my business and the books that I personally wanted to write and to create like more financial freedom um, rather than relying on freelance. And I am going to go through the numbers uh, in a second. <sighs> the problem is I'm also a competitive bitch. So while I still wanted, while I wanted to uh, focus on reducing freelance, I also still wanted to increase my income. And you know, that was a tall order given, given that I gave up a lot of freelance work and therefore I was starting from a lower income, like a lower total baseline. Um, so not only did I have to like make up that freelance money, I then also had to increase my income. So where did I get to? Uh, well, after like a frankly terrifying amount of caffeine, a little hysteria and a few gins, I did actually manage to do it. 
my overall turnover was up 22% and my net profit was up about 67%. So that's great. But the really exciting development is the change in breakdown of my income. So in my first year, at the end of my first year, 75% of my income came from freelance work. 17% came from book sales and 8% came from everything else, which includes things like affiliate income, speaking and stuff like that. And for listeners, if you want to go and see like the charts, I have included some charts uh, on my in my blog post. So you can go and check that out. And I'll leave a link in the show notes. Um, But (laughs) in year two, that changed dramatically. And like, I, I actually did a draw a jaw dropping moment, because I didn't realise quite how dramatic the change was and how big the shift was. Obviously, I am delighted. But yeah, so, okay, so let's look at it. So in in year two, at the end of year two, my freelance only accounted for 37% of my income and my book sales accounted to uh, for 44%. So like my book sales are up over double um, and are now the largest portion of my income. Uh, so that is fantastic. I am really happy that uh, the freelance has more than halved or well, has halved essentially. Um, and everything else, which, you know, includes like sponsorship and speaking and Patreon and all of that stuff, that was up nine, uh, that was at 19%. So that has doubled as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, that is huge. And and it's also huge because obviously I've increased turnover so significantly um, as well. So I don't, I don't, like when I look back, I'm like, how the fuck did you actually do that? And I'm, I'm sure if I dug into it, I could work it out. But also like, oh my God, I am crazy happy. And like taking the time out to look at this has also made me hungry. Um, I definitely need to stop and review every year. And I don't think I necessarily do this often enough because in looking at how far I've come um, and seeing those dramatic changes, it's given me a bit of a, a boost. I have to say over the last, I don't know, probably month, I have been wobbling a bit uh, and feeling a bit like I was having some kind of first world existential crisis, you know, end of your second year. What are you doing? Are you even writing the right stuff? Should you even be doing this anymore? All of that bullshit. Um, so yeah, I I am thrilled. Um, now, one thing that I uh, have I guess, reflected on, is that my everything else bucket, okay, so that accounted for 19% of my income, uh, which more than doubled. However, the takeaway for me is that while I did double the array of everything else income streams, it still only accounted for 19%. Um, And in order to generate that 19%, it definitely took as much effort, if not more than everything else. So I suppose I am at a turning point and I need to decide whether that 19% of income is worth it. I mean, if the 19% grew significantly or um, brought in, I don't know, a bigger chunk or whatever, then of course it would be worth my time. But I do feel like I have brain drain with it. Um, And given that my book sales have increased so dramatically, I 
feel like it would be more worth my time to just focus on smashing out more books over the next year. So I am, yeah, I guess I am realistically looking at, you know, trying to clear off the decks, start saying no to a lot more things and focusing my energy on getting more books and potentially more courses and things done. All right, so in my second year then, my main income streams included book sales, freelance work, Patreon, merchandise, affiliate income, sponsorship, course sales, consulting, and speaking. My year two assets include eight non-fiction books and three non-fiction box sets and two fiction books. I am super excited because uh, the last year I haven't put out an awful lot, but I have been grafting hard in the background. So I have a shit ton of books coming this year. So this will look uh, a lot bigger at the end of year three. And I'm almost frustrated that like I, ha I couldn't add them into this year, but I wanted this to be a real mile marker in the, in the ground uh, to say, you know, on today, on this day, what are my assets? So yeah, fuck it, that is where I'm at. And I'll just have to wait another year in order to see that pile of books grow. So where does this leave me? Well, in year three, <laughs> Fuck, year three, I can't believe I'm saying that. Anyway, in year three, my goal is to continue growing my turnover and my profit and to continue reducing the percent of freelance uh, freelance work and the amount, like the percentage that freelance work accounts for. Um, and I also want to increase my wide book sales income. In addition, I would like to add audiobooks and more courses to my asset portfolio. I am very fortunate in the fact that I used to earn quite a large uh, income in my old day job and I still haven't beaten my old day job income and going into year three, I'm now fucking hungry to get this bitch beaten. Uh, not least because mindset wise, it will make me feel justified in having left my job. Um, yeah, so that is like a huge goal for me. Now, I don't know whether or not it's going to happen. Um, I you know, I would think that it could happen based on the growth of this year, if I had similar growth, um, based on the growth of last year, if I had similar growth, growth this year, uh, it should happen, but we, we shall see. All right, so takeaway one then. Annual analysis is really important to help give you perspective. I definitely didn't realize how much I needed to do this annual analysis. But like I said earlier, I have been flailing, uh, like with the direction I should be going. And this has really helped to solidify that and remind me why I'm doing it and what I want. So yeah, if you guys don't do annual analysis, even if you're not full time, you should do an annual analysis and look at like where you are. And I'll, like I say, I'll leave the link in the show notes and you can use like mine as a template if you want. So yes, okie dokie. Lesson two, self-belief is everything. It's only now that I look back at the end of my second year that I realised just quite how much of my first year was spent in like arse crippling fear. My sphincter was like constantly quivering. I realise how gross that is to say, but like it is so true. I was fucking shitting myself for the whole of my first year. And I don't think I realised quite 
like, yeah, like quite how crippling that fear was until I gave myself today to look back at the end of my second year and realise that I am no longer afraid in the same way I was at the end of my first year. The whole of my first year was just consumed with being afraid and the fear of having to go back to a job that I hated. And like more than that, the prospect of being flung back into the mindset that I had then, like that just depressive no way out, the misery, the anxiety, the the boredom. I, I spoke earlier about you know, how, like, I didn't really care about anything other than surviving in my first year. And and that was true. Um, But it's definitely that has, I would say that's gone now. I have other goals and different mindset. Um, But, you know, it's taken me two years to, to get rid of that fear. And like, if I'm being perfectly honest, I still, I still have a little fidgety butt, like itchy sphincter (laughs) going on um it you know it hasn't totally gone I'm so gross I'm sorry guys but you know like I do have a bit of you know butt wiggle over you know what if I have to go back but that said I also have self-belief in a way that I've never had before I know without a doubt I will not have to go back to a day job more importantly I know I won't have to go back to that day job. This career, hell, like any fucking career working for myself is for life. I know that I can make money. I know that I will be able to pull it out of the bag month on month on month. I've done it for the last 24 months. If I can do it for 24 months, I can do it for another 24 and another 24 after that. Even if... I don't end up, you know, writing for the rest of my life. And I really fucking hope I do. But, you know, just saying, even if I don't end up writing for the rest of my life, I know that I could work for myself for the rest of my life. And that is a belief that I think I have only been able to, like, get comfortable with over the last year. It's definitely taken time. And I think that is really the point here. Indie authors especially are really good at like wanting things now, now, now. Um, I'm like it too. And I think it's because our businesses are in our control. And therefore we want the results now, motherfucker. You know, we we want to publish yesterday. We want the covers last week and we want the income all fucking day long, baby. But you know, also there is something intangible about the thing, you know, that time can give you. There is something intangible about time. Growth, even if you are one of these lightning bolt people who just, their income explodes, it doesn't mean that mentally your growth keeps up with that. Growth takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't just quit your job and then have the self-belief that you can do this or that your business is never going to fail. You know, income for most people doesn't just appear overnight. This shit is rocky for a while. Business is hard. And yeah, like it is a roller coaster of wobbling belief, wobbling fucking income, wobbling learning, wobbling butt cheeks, it's wobbling everything, wobbling, wobbling titties. No, okay, that would go too far. Uh, God, who edits this podcast? <laughs> anyway, the point I want to make is that regardless of the fact that this is a roller coaster, it is a glorious fucking roller coaster. This second year, despite it being in 
like extreme global difficult times, it has allowed me to blossom and grow in confidence and self-belief. And also the security that I can do this for the long haul and that things are going to, to be okay. Um, so yeah, I suppose takeaway number two is that no matter how quick or amazing your income balloons, there is something that only time can give you. A kind of security blanket of confidence or assurance that you've got this. It's like a... It's a really hard pill to swallow because when you're drowning in a society of nowness, uh, you know, it's hard to embrace it. But buckle up, baby, grip hard. This is a rocky roller coaster ride, but you have got this. All right, next lesson. <laughs> Already, I can't remember what, what number we're on. I think it's three. All right, lesson three is that uh, much as it pains me to say it, the honeymoon period of living the dream does end. Now, all right, yes, this job is un undoubtedly fucking amazing. I will never, ever, ever say otherwise. However, every job, no matter the business or industry that you are in, has a grind. And much as I'd love to live in denial about, you know, being a full-time writer, this job also has uh, the grind. And I would say it's taken two years for the honeymoon period to well and truly wear off for me. I do wonder... If we hadn't had COVID, uh, whether it would have taken another year for that to wear off for me. Um, I feel like maybe it would have just because, um, you know, this year has been exceptionally hard and uh, it's probably, you know, uh, I can't think of the word, like augmented some of the the grind feelings that uh, people get, you know, because of having, you know, living in four walls and having not being able to go anywhere and, and stuff like that. Um, does that mean I regret leaving my day job? Absolutely not. This is without doubt the best job in the world. However, managing a family, a school kid, a wife, a house and a business is a lot. And because I have the ability to work flexibly, nine times out of ten, the can you do uh, fall to me. The anything like any ad hoc life thing, any ad hoc, yeah, just, you know, the shit that life throws you always end up on my plate. And combined with the fact that I did 95% of the homeschooling, which at six hours a day, did not leave much time or energy for my business. And I think I worked it out that I had uh, my son for like eight consecutive months whilst we also brought a house and moved 70, 80 miles up the road and I was still trying to homeschool and also <laughs> buy a house and run a business. Like, <laughs> fuck, do you know what? When I say it out loud like this, I'm like, how the fuck are you still saying? Last year was absolutely mental and... It did not leave much time for my business, which is why I'm super excited to see what this year brings because, you know, hopefully, God fucking forbid we have any more lockdowns, but hopefully the next year should see a return to normal, which should mean I get a bit more of my time over the course of the year. And if I can do what I did last year in no time, what can I do with more time in the next coming year? Now, I suppose the thing that I have really learned is that, you know, 
the grind of having to do admins and emails and deal with everything else that life throws at me, as well as working a number of evenings is really, really tough on me personally. And I'm sure other people have set up their businesses more efficiently, don't have to deal with what I do. But without having what I personally call a proper holiday um, in the last 18 months, um, I feel really worn. And I know that's a really privileged thing to say. I'm completely aware of that. But I am feeling a kind of like parasitic viral exhaustion that I just can't get rid of. Um, Lots of people suggest staycations and I have tried a bit to do staycations. But what happens is that, you know, my office is in my house. And when I I'm in my house, the the urge, the pull to work or to just check an email or to just do this is too strong. And I probably, you know, ought to accept the fact that means I don't have strong enough boundaries put in place. Are where we are. And I personally find that the most like rejuvenating type of break is is a holiday away from the house. Um and I don't know how I'm going to get that. So the conclusion that this leads me to is that I need to focus on keeping things fresh and do projects that I both enjoy and that bring me income rather than just focusing on doing the income stuff because balance is key to retaining my enthusiasm and so is not burning out. I definitely think that... Um, well, the next one will explain this anyway, but I, I am finding some coping mechanisms, but uh, not enough. And whilst... Many countries are still locked down. I need to find a solution around this. So takeaway three is that for me personally, holidays away from my house, which is where my office is, are essential to get real rejuvenation time. It also means I probably need to look at reducing or outsourcing some of my grind tasks over the next year to ensure that I stick with spending my time on the things that only I can do. I also need to find a way to work less evenings because it's having a severe impact on my energy and my enthusiasm. So those are the lessons from number three. All right, lesson number four is about input and strengths. In my first year, I was so concerned with just surviving that I didn't put much thought into learning, growth or development. But definitely as I neared the end, like, well, I'd say the last third of my second year, I started to feel like this gaping void inside of me. And I, yes, okay, I know that part of this is to do with COVID, but also it, it was actually starting to affect my ability to put words on the page. Now, it's in large part thanks to Becca Syme and her Better Faster Academy that I have been able to learn more about my personal strengths and how I can make them work smarter for me. So a case in point, I have upped my reading, uh, and I call reading input, but so I've upped my reading input from an average of 60 to 70 books a year to now an average of 130 to 140 books a year. The result in the first month I think after I'd done it for maybe two months, um, the first month where I was purely writing as opposed to like editing or whatever, my output of words was up 30% on my average output. That is huge. So whether or not I like it, 
<laughs> whether or not I like the amount of time that it takes. I personally, for my own personal needs, have a very high appetite for input. I have talked about this before on the podcast where I actually assumed that my uh, input requirements were just visual because I'm a very visual person. But I tried binge watching Netflix and, you know, you know, looking at books like the Atlas, Atlas Obscura and stuff. And definitely I find that kind of stuff does generate ideas, but it's not the healing type energy that then enables me to output my own words. And the only, or one of the best ways I get that other than rest on a proper holiday uh, is input. So my the summary is that my brain wants to eat books and so I have to deliver. Um, so I'm going to have to continue to read at this ferocious, well what is ferocious for me anyway, ferocious reading rate. And of course, you know, I'm not telling you guys this because I think it's loads or because I think it's not enough or whatever, you know, we all have different uh, requirements. And, and actually that is the lesson that I'm really trying to take away here. Everybody's strengths are different and it is actually only in being aware of my strengths that, and then intentionally learning and trying to develop individual strengths that I am seeing these hugely tangible impacts and results. And you know, I do, I have gone and spoken to other people who have a need for input or a need for different one. Learner, for example, is another one of my strengths. And what they do doesn't always work for me. So this is really about finding what works for us as individuals and then like just hammering home on that. I know I need to continue to read a lot because it is having such an enormous impact on my ability to output. It, and it's fucking frustrating as well because reading is such an isolated, it's a it's an alone activity, you know? So in some ways it does affect how much time I spend with my wife because, you know, if I've got my nose shoved firmly between book pages, I'm not talking to her, am I? But look, the point is, know thyself. You have to know yourself in order to be able to develop and, you know, see those effects in your business. So, oh yes, there's one other thing here that I wanted to um, talk about. So I've talked about how upping this input has had a 30% effect on my output. But I also found it really difficult to actually give myself the time and headspace to reflect and learn and do the inputting. And the reason I felt like that is because it didn't feel like work. But because it develops me and helps me work better and smarter, I clearly do need to do it. And so that's what leads me to takeaway four. Sometimes the things that have the biggest effect on your bottom line don't feel like work, but that doesn't mean it isn't or that it's not important. Far, far from it. I have to do those things. You have to do those things. So account for them. Account it as work and give yourself permission to do it. Which brings me very neatly onto takeaway or lesson five, which is you have permission. All right, I know this is going to sound absolutely bonkers from the mother of villains or the queen of rebels, whatever you want to call me, but it is very easy to institutionalize yourself into your own business. 
When you live day to day, day in, day out with how your business is, how it's running, how it's functioning, and you know, when it works and it brings in income, it is very easy to forget that you can pivot or you can change or you can adapt. And I think the last year in COVID has shown me this in a way that I never would have seen before. Uh, Like, I don't know, when it comes to somebody else telling me what to do, I'll always find a way to rebel or like break the rules. Fuck anybody else telling me what to do. But when it comes to myself, I can often be found battling with myself, I want to say, or be like floundering because I'm reluctant to give myself permission. Um, I think some of it's to do with doubt and letting doubt creep in. And in a strange way, the further I get into this industry, on the one hand, I feel more confident. And on the other hand, the doubt gets worse with every single book that I am releasing. Um, So I... I have post-its reminding me on my computer. I've got two, one either side of the screen saying you have permission. This is the life I created and the one that I want to live. So, you know, taking the time to write the book that I want to write is okay, Sasha. (laughs) You have permission. Um, But even like, it's even little things. Like I didn't, I found it really hard to give myself permission to just sit down and take this take the time to write this post it felt indulgent to look back even though I knew it would help me and hopefully it's helping some of you to see like where my journey is going and I suppose reflecting on it like expectation is a slippery motherfucker whether the expectation comes from an external source or from yourself it is weighty and meaty and that fucker will stop you doing things whether you want it to or like whether you know the thing that you're trying to do is good for you or not well no more my takeaway number five and my last lesson from two years of being in business is that there is no more fucking about. There are a couple of really big game-changing things that I need to do in the next year and I need to stop holding myself back because of doubt or imposter syndrome or thinking I'm not good enough. No, like, just fucking stop you. I have lofty goals and I'm fucking proud of it. Like, yes, I am competitive. Yes, I want to earn more. I'm not gonna apologize for that anymore. I have permission. I just need to get on with it. And that is the last of my lessons, but I have one more thing I want to say. This year has been hard for everybody and it doesn't matter whether you're full-time employed, full-time self-employed, a mom, a caregiver, you know, a wife, a husband. This year has been brutal and I really want to be grateful for the position that I am in and to you know, take the time to acknowledge that because no matter what happens, no matter how hard this job or this business is, it is still infinitely better than the position that I was in uh, two years ago now. And actually, this was one of the lessons that I took from one year of full-time writing is that no matter what happens, this life is better. And 
I think I stand by that even more firmly this year. I keep two photos from this journey. The first one is a post-it that I signed and dated saying I'd be writing full-time in 2020. I actually ended up leaving in 2019 uh, and so I got to cross out the 2020 and you can see this if you hop over to the blog post you'll see uh, the, the photo of it and the more I look back at this photo the more I bring it back out every year the more I smile. The other photo is the photo of me on one of my worst days in my day job. I am absolutely broken in that photo and it and I'm in so much pain that it I actually find it genuinely uncomfortable looking back at myself. Like I look old and haggard in the photo as well, let alone stressed and upset and depressed and I know, like the pain in my eyes when I look at that photo is such a short, sharp reminder to never get lazy, to never take this life for granted and to appreciate every single second of my working life because I am so lucky. No, fuck it. I don't believe in luck. I know that's going to piss some people off, but I think sometimes when we say luck, we actually like take away from all the hard work that we've done. But you know, I I feel blessed that this is my job. And no matter how hard running this business is, and no matter, you know, the fact that the honeymoon period is gone, this is the best fucking job in the world. And I would die before I have to give it up. So yeah, that that is my lessons from year two. And I hope that my reflection has uh, shown you the growth and development that you can get over the course of two years of being full time. And hopefully it's given you some inspiration and also some reality as well. Eve, everybody is full of the excitement and that uh, honeymoon period. And yeah, I guess in order to grow your business, you have to put in some long slog years uh, to do it. So yeah, I am, I hope this has inspired some of you, has helped you to see that you absolutely can do it and that growth takes time. And yeah, so that's it. This is my five lessons from year two and I will be back in another year to give you my lessons from year three. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying, I still, <laughs> that feels so weird to say that. I can't believe I'm going into my third year of this business, fuck me. Anyway, I'm gonna stop waffling on. Thanks so much for listening and I will be back as normal uh, on Wednesday with your next episode. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.